Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the You're Still Out Golf podcast. I'm your host, JT, talking Solheim Cup today. Yes, team golf season is upon us. The Solheim Cup, September 22nd through the 24th, followed by the Ryder Cup, September 29th through October 1st. Some excellent, excellent festivities to be had on the team golf front here in the month of September. Going to talk Solheim Cup today. Before we get there, I want to tell you that we are coming to you from our official podcast studio here at Lincoln Park Golf Club. The nice weather has finally arrived here in Oklahoma. Get yourself to Lincoln Park. Book your tee time early. Come early. Take in Fergie's Grill. Maybe set up on the beautiful terrace that overlooks the 10th Green and 18th Fairway and uh, have yourself a day here at Lincoln Park. If you want to travel a little bit, obviously our friends at Boiling Springs Golf Club have their stay-and-play package going on. Um, Get yourself out of the city after you've visited here at Lincoln Park and take in that Sandbelt gym. Their stay-and-play package, good for unlimited golf at Boiling Springs, where one round is never enough, in addition to a stay at the Candlewood Suites there in Woodward. Low, low price of $80 if you're shacking up with a buddy. $110 if you're flying solo. Go to BoilingSpringsGolfClub.com. Click on Stay and Play Package and book your stay today. If you do that and you put YSO Golf there in the additional instructions field, we'll hook you up with a limited edition Boiling Springs YSO co-branded hat. Again, BoilingSpringsGolfClub.com. Wanted to get out in front of the ad reads, paying the bills early so we can focus the rest of the pod on uh, the Solheim Cup. And to do that, I have my co-host, Michaela Dorenzo, with me. Mick, good to see you today. How are you? Good to see you. I'm doing well. I want to start off by asking you, as someone who obviously played college golf, chased professional golf for a while, and now is still playing high-level amateur golf, the Solheim Cup, what excites you about it in general, and then maybe what is exciting you about it for this rendition that we're about to embark on? I mean, I'd say number one, team golf. It's so much fun to watch, even more fun to play, hence why I love doing four state every year with WOGA and and local stuff. Um, Love doing some partner AJGAs back in my day and, and all sorts of stuff. So love team golf. Love the competition part of it. Also love some coffee golf. Getting up in the Yeah, mornings. which will get this particular Solheim Cup since it is being played in Andalusia, Spain. So that will be uh, early mornings for us. Yep. Hopefully the catching the coverage with my morning coffee. Um, that's the highlights of mine. Excitement. Well, I think that folks get really excited once... It gets here, and they have that remembrance of, wow, I really enjoy watching these folks, whether it be the Solheim Cuppers or the Ryder Cuppers, get super excited and seemingly a lot more excited than they normally get about their own golf. Seems to translate to us as fans getting us excited about it. Before we dive into who's on each team, prognostications, a little bit on the golf course itself, want to talk about 
the point system and some more factoids, I guess you would say, when it comes to the Solheim, we realize that not everybody eats, sleeps, and breathes golf the way that we do. And so the Solheim Cup will be set up in a format to where they play two days of team matches where you're going to have partners kind of two-on-two on the first and second days of play. And then they'll transition to Sunday where they're playing one-on-one singles matches. And for all of those matches that they play over the three days, there's one point awarded for each match. So obviously if a European team wins a match, they will receive one point. An American team wins a match, they'll receive a point. If they happen to tie a match, they split that point. So there are no playoffs when it comes to uh, the Solheim Cup. And then after all of those matches are complete, I believe there are 28 points possible in the Solheim Cup. Does that does that math track? Probably should have looked that up. I know that's the case for the Ryder Cup. I believe that's the case for the Solheim. Meaning that it takes 14 and a half points to, in fact, win the Solheim Cup. Now, you might ask yourself, well, what happens if the unlikely happens and you have 14 to 14? Well, that would mean that whoever won the Solheim Cup previously retains the Solheim Cup, so so nobody would win. Now, in the, golly, I want to say it's a 30-ish year history for Solheim Cup, 1990, I think, somewhere in there. Uh, there has yet to be a tie. Uh, the closest it came to a tie was back, I believe, in 2015? Uh, 2019, we had a 14 and a half. 14 and a half, 13 and a half. Okay, and 2015 was also 14 and a half, 13 and a half. So that's, that's the closest that it has gotten, although there's been a lot of 15, 13, 16, 12s, again, splitting up those, those 28 points. So there you have it. Now, me talking about the retention of the cup, should it be tied, Folks are going to want to know, well, the last couple of planks, how did those go? And so I want to turn it over to you to talk a little bit about the uh, the recent history of the Solheim Cup. And again, United States versus Europe. It's been very one-sided. Yeah, so our last Solheim Cup 2021 was in Inverness in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, home soil, Europe came out on top 15-13. It was actually a little closer than the you know, numbers, it came down to Matilda Castron and Lizette Salas. It really came down to their match. And then Jessica Corda and Yelamino um, kind of got it back close. And then Emily Christine Pedersen kind of nail in the coffin, beating Danielle Kang for the final European point. But it was closer. Um, Danielle took it to 18 against um, Emily Christine Pedersen. So even though it was close, Europe came out on top in 2021. Uh, 2019, Europe and a close victory, 14.5 to 13.5 at Glen Eagles in Scotland. And uh, we have to go back to 2017 for a USA victory in uh, Des Moines, which was, uh, I have vivid memories of it because I had a couple of girls I knew on the squad. So definitely tuned in a lot to that 2017 victory. Unlike the Ryder Cup, which for a long period of time started being dominated by the Euros, in fact, it's been 30 years since to this day that the United States has won on European soil. Unlike the Ryder Cup, it's been pretty much back and forth uh, the entirety of the Solheim Cup's existence. I didn't add it up, but just kind of looking at the wiki page where it's like Euro flag, uh, United States flag, it is pretty 
pretty back and forth. It's just that in uh, the last two playings, uh, the Euros have have got it over on on the ladies here in the states. I'd say that's pretty accurate. Pretty back and forth. Pretty back over and forth. the years, so. yeah. And again, we're going to get into rosters and what things look like for 2023 here. It, uh, it's on paper, maybe not looking great that that trend is going to change if you're a, if you're a U.S. fan. Before we get there, I thought it was interesting that just like the Ryder Cup, the Solheim Cup is an every other year event. And an interesting twist with that is that they would always be played on opposite years. So one year you'd have the Ryder Cup, the next year you'd have the Solheim Cup, etc. Well, COVID bumping back the 2020 Ryder Cup into 2021 uh, meant that this will be the second time in a row that the Ryder Cup and the Solheim Cup are played on back-to-back weeks in September. To get that alleviated, I guess you'd say, we're going to play the Solheim Cup in back-to-back years. And in 2024, when it comes back stateside to the Robert Trent Jones Golf Club, we'll get back to alternating years for the Ryder Cup and Solheim Cup. And then in 2026, the Bernardus Golf Club. I had to look this one up. I'm not going to lie. It's in the Netherlands, which is kind of a cool twist about an hour south of Amsterdam for our, our Geography B participants that are curious at where the Barnardus Golf Club is located. So there's some level setting in terms of how the points play out and um, the recent history and future venues for the Cup. Let me throw the first sort of subjective question to you, Mick. Since golf is such an individual sport, it shows out, and shows through when these team events are played how excited all the players get. However, my curiosity here, and I'm going to ask our, our guest who will be joining us a little bit later the same question, is the Solheim Cup sort of the, the end-all, be-all for aspiring female golfers? Uh, kind of like how much does it really mean to the players while they're coming up? Is that something that folks have on their goals list? Or is that a bit more um, window dressing that kind of media types put on it? Is, is it something that female golfers dream of playing in? Or is that more once they get into their professional careers, they realize, oh, if I do well, I can go play on that team? I would say it's definitely on the goal list for the year. Would I put it above winning a major? You know, winning the U.S. Women's Open, you know, Open Championship? No. Probably not above winning a major, but it's definitely on your goal list for the year, you know, going into it because it's just such an honor to play for your country. And it's it's a feeling you can't duplicate um, just playing individually in a tournament, and it's the experience of it at all is unmatched. So I'd say it's up at the top with winning a major, but maybe doesn't beat it. And that kind of makes sense. Once you get on that professional stage that as you're making your goals, it's, you know, can I play well enough to make the Solheim Cup? Do I, do I hear you saying that when you're, you're coming up and you're, whether you're going into college or you're, you're starting to kind of plan out your professional career, it's not as much on people's radar then? Again, this is just your opinion. Probably not because you're thinking like making the tour, having success on the tour. But I think once you're on the tour and you've maybe had a taste of success, then being on the Solheim Cup or even a Ryder Cup team um, is definitely something you, you want to strive for. 
having the experience and being able to win one for your team. I wonder if there's some measure of being part of not necessarily the cool kids club, but knowing that if I'm on this team every other year, it means that I am part of the 12 you know, best golfers in the world on any particular year. Again, I say the world. This is, again, the United States versus Europe. We know that women's golf in particular has a much, much more Asian influence in terms of ladies at the top of the game than the men's game is. The men's game pretty much dominated by American and European players over the last 150 years. Is there something to that? Just kind of, again, some combination of, like, kind of I'm in the club, I'm on the squad, there's feel good to that, kind of, you know, high school style, and that that means I am playing as good as anybody out there. Yeah, definitely. If you're making a Solheim Cup team that, you know, you're at the top of, of the, you know, top echelon of women's professional golf. So it's, a, it's an honor. And um, it means you're, you know, you're consistent and your, your game is at, the, is at the top. So it's, yeah, it's, a, it's an honor, like I said, and it's um, something definitely means that you have got the game. Well, let's dive into who's going to be playing in the Solheim Cup. You know, I found it interesting as I was going through the the rosters. The European roster has been set for some time now. Uh, the American roster is now also out. It struck me as as big of a ladies golf fan as I am, and as much as I follow it, like when you get down towards the last two, three players on each team. Even I had to be like, now, now, should I remember who that is? And again, like, I don't purport to be the absolute end-all, be-all, know-it-all for ladies' golf, but for somebody who follows it as much as I do, there were some names we're going to get to that I guarantee you some of our listeners have not heard of. Uh, but let's just, let's just first go through the rosters uh, one at a time. I'm actually going to have you just read through the U.S. roster, just straight down it, names only. And this would be... I guess this would this be an order of how they either qualified or were picked? All right. All right. So we've got Lilia Vu, Nellie Corda, Allison Corpuz, Megan Kang, Danielle Kang, Jennifer Cupcho, and Lexi Thompson, who've made it on points. And then our captain's picks are, are Angel Yin, Ali Ewing, and Cheyenne Knight. Cheyenne Knight gets that kind of sort of last pick. Um there was much debate, at least on some pods, that who would get that pick. So interesting that that's the way the cookie crumbled. Let me get through the Euro. I think we want to talk mostly about the American team. Um, but let me let me get through the European team here, and then we'll really dive into some some takes on on who got picked and who got included when it comes to the, the U.S. squad. European Solheim Cup team. We had eight automatic qualifiers and four captain's picks different than the nine automatic qualifiers and three on the u.s side celine boutier maya stark osu's maya stark charlie hull leona mcguire georgia hall lynn grant carlotta seganda anna nordquist were the eight off the euro points list four captain's picks madeline sackstrom gemma dryberg emily christine peterson and Caroline Headwall. If you have never heard of at least those last three, it's because they are a bit obscure, even though they're highly, highly accomplished players, uh, probably not household names in the golf world. So there you have it, uh, the 12 folks on the U.S. squad, the 12 folks 
on the European squad. And I think that's perfect timing to bring in our guest for today's podcast, Hannah Screen. You know her uh, from the many, many episodes that she has been on with us. Hannah, uh, first of all, good good evening from where you're sitting there in uh, in the UK. How are you? Or actually, are you in Sweden? No, I'm I'm back in the UK, home from Sweden. Hello, how are you guys? I'm excited to be back. Yeah, we're good. We um, have kind of set the stage here, talking about who's on each squad. So we're gonna we're gonna get right into some reaction. Uh, Mick, I'm gonna start with you. I know that um, there's one particular player that ended up making it on points that maybe you feel like we're hoping wouldn't and therefore wouldn't get a captain's pick, but just I'll let you go immediate reaction to the the U.S. squad. I just wasn't a big fan of of Lexi making it on points. I thought her form as of late, and and when I say late, I mean like this entire year, has not been great. And I think she gained the points that she did to be able to qualify from like last year and maybe even the year prior since there wasn't a Solheim Cup since 2021. So, yeah, the last couple of years. But this year, it's really not been good form for Lexi. And so I would have loved to see, like, a, a Ryan O'Toole or Allison Lee um, slide in there. Al, uh, Ryan O'Toole, I, I kind of grew up playing college and, and my first start at professional career against her. And she is definitely the kind of player that you want to see in match play, fiery, um, you know, determined, a bulldog. I don't know about a lot about Allison Lee's game, but I know she's pretty consistent. So I would have loved to have seen one of those two slip in there, um, you know, as, instead of Lexi, but I hope she proves me wrong. Well, it's unlikely that she'll prove you wrong because as you were talking, I, I pulled up to look at kind of her results to see that kind of what you're talking about here. And it's pretty, pretty darn clear. And she's, first of all, she's only even played in 10 events this year out of the 25 that have been out there. That's why it was so perplexing to me that she qualified off points based off world ranking. I just don't know how she's still up there. Based well, these are, the- these are her finishes since um, 4th of July, basically. U.S. Women's Open, cut. Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational, cut. AIG Women's Open, cut. KPKC Canadians Women's Open, cut. In fact... For the entirety of 2023, she has two made cuts in 10 starts, and those were um, back in back in May. So a little bit perplexing that she could be that high on the points, let alone um, even be considered for a captain's pick. Hannah, let me throw it to you. Let's talk a little Euro squad. Who there in the captain's picks um, for Captain Pedersen, Suzanne Pedersen, the captain of the Euro squad. Again, Madeline Saxton, Saxstrom, excuse me. Emma Dryberg, Emily Christine Peterson, and Caroline Headwall. Any uh, either head scratchers or on the other flip side, like somebody you're happy to see um, get that pick. Even though she is a fellow GBNI lady, Gemma Dryberg really surprised me. Um, I know she had that one or her first breakout win on the LPGA last year, but I mean, before that, she was kind of bouncing around on mini tours in America and over in Europe. Um, and even in Asia for a bit, I think. And then, I guess, honestly, just leapfrogged through the LET onto the LPGA. Um, she's had some good results, not amazing results. I guess she sticks out because the other three captain's picks are either very decorated, solemn cup 
players such as Caroline Hadwell um, or have have really, you know, showed out in their careers such as Emily Pedersen. But yeah, Gemma Driver surprised me, but she's very steady. I feel like she'd be a great foursome partner, possibly. Um, that might be their thinking. But yeah, I mean, that one, that one surprised me, but I think the whole team's looking great. I know I'm biased, but I'm really excited to watch them. Well, talk to us a little bit about the venue itself. You know, I kind of wanted your take and you coming on. I know that I don't think that anybody expects you to know about every single golf course in, in Europe, but uh, maybe studied up a little bit on Finca Cortesin. Hope I got that right for all mm-hmm. more Spanish listeners. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that venue, what folks can expect when they're uh, they're waking up early that weekend to catch some Solheim Cup. Yeah, so Finca Cortesin is... Uh, really, I guess it is a well-known course in Europe for sure. It's down in southern Spain along this strip, which is full of really good golf courses like Valderrama and La Reserva Club, all these great, great golf courses. Um, it's, I don't know if people know this, it has hosted the world match play multiple times. So they definitely thought about putting it there for a reason. Um, it's super hilly, undulating. It's got some really big shots um, over some like canyons and stuff like that. There's water features. There's pretty much everything. So I think we could see a lot of drama, especially towards the last few holes, if they stretch them out a bit. It's I actually read earlier. It's uh, one of the longest courses in Europe. It stretches out to mm. out what they say seven thousand meters, which I don't know who's good at math, um, but that is very very long off the tips. So I really think they could set it up really, really cool. Very interesting. Make it really hard. Very interesting. Mm. And it'll be interesting how they do set it up, considering they don't have to worry about, you know, stroke play scoring. When you're setting up for match play, you can be a little bit more, I don't know, aggressive or risky when it comes to course setup, because it's just a matter of, now generally that leads course setup folks to set it up, not easier, but, you know, people like to see holes one with birdies, and not necessarily, you know, halved with bogeys. So that will be interesting if it can play that long and is that challenging, how will that add to or detract from from the excitement? Another question I have for you, Hannah, and I asked Mick this earlier on their pod, like, how, how do you feel, and you're, you're kind of in the thick of it, right, coming off of college career, you know, pursuing professional golf, how much does it mean to players coming up, the Solheim Cup? Is that... As I put it to Mick, is that sort of a lifelong dream to be able to to be on the Solheim Cup? Or is it more of a, you know, it's just kind of a happy happenstance of playing good golf? Is it Does it factor in from an early age uh, a dream of playing? Or is it more, yeah, it just kind of means I'm playing good? I think definitely it's up there with the bucket list kind of dream. For me, I guess it would be alongside playing in the Olympics or something now that golfers can. But before that, yeah, definitely that was the highest, highest, I guess, mountain you could reach along with winning a major. Um, I think as well for us, because you're not just representing, you know, I guess the United States kind of considered one, one big nation, whereas Europe is like a continent and it, for us, it's massive. So to be picked to go in there or qualify to go in that team is is real honor. So I think it is really big. And I also love this year how close it is to the Ryder Cup. I think there's a lot more buzz around it here. Um, and then with Charlie Hull, you know, coming off a great 
great little stretch that she has. I know that a lot of people in England, in my country, are so excited. That's a good point. And I almost, and I, I'm glad it worked out to have uh, kind of you pop on here on the back half of the pod and be able to ask Mick early. I wonder if it's a little bit of a, a, US, a U.S. frame of mind against the European frame of mind. It does seem like it's a bigger deal to Europeans to make the to make the team. I'm not saying it's not a big deal for Americans and Americans don't don't it's not like they would if they had the choice to play or not play that they would not play. I'm not suggesting that. It just seems like the general vibe I get is that Europe Euros care more about it. I don't know is that is that fair, Mick? Do you do you feel like I'm I'm painting us Americans in a bad light? I don't know. I think it's an honor for both sides, but I I agree just, I agree that it's an honor, but you can yeah. almost hear the the passion in Hannah's voice about it. You know, that to me is very commonplace for again, and that's on the even on the men's side too. Maybe not so much these days, but back in the day, it seemed like the Euros were much more into it than the Americans. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I would consider it quite an honor, and like I said, up there with winning a major for me. But um, I've had a chance to play for the USA, and I um, not, obviously not in the Solheim Cup, but in a different event, and it was um, really awesome. So I, I maybe I'm more of a patriotic <laughs> team player than maybe some of the others, but I consider it one of the top honors too. Fair enough, fair enough. I don't know if it's because for us, you're, I do kind of get where you're coming from slightly, and I don't know if it's because for us Europeans, when we're younger from, I mean, from the age that you can pretty much qualify, so 14, 15 years old, every single country has a national team structure, and that's what everyone has their goals kind of set on is making their national team and playing for their country. And then from there, every year we have, you know, European team champs every year where you come up against all these different countries and, you know, you show out, you put the cool uniforms on, you put the face paint on and you go out and battle it out in match play to be crowned like best in Europe. And I don't know if that's, I guess, what you're touching on JT, like that people get a bit more excited for it. Um, just because they've maybe experienced that camaraderie more than the US. I know that the US do represent their country, but I do feel like the representation may be a little bit smaller, like only three girls maybe go to the World Championships every year, and obviously there's a wider pool of players to pick from in America, um, whereas we have like six or seven every year girls and women travel to European teams, if that makes sense. So I don't know if that's kind of the reason that everyone gets so hyped (laughs) over here. That could very well be it. That could very well be it from a the path to success or even the path to knowing that you are being successful is all about making that national team. And you know if you make that national team, that's going to bring a level of notoriety, recognition, et cetera, that's going to lead to good things either for college recruitment or um, sponsors exemptions on to professional tours, et cetera. Yeah. Or perhaps sure. in the States, it's all about I just got to get to college. Yeah. Um, It's very college team rather than, you know, your national team. Right. You just ride, you ride hard for, for that versus your, versus your national, almost like your national team in Europe is kind of your college team, even though obviously Hannah, yourself included, a lot of those girls, ladies, excuse me, play on college teams in the States. So um, it's an, to me, it's an interesting dynamic and one that, I feel like is catching on a little bit more in the in the U.S. Yeah. And maybe that's because 
the guys seem to be taking it like more seriously and care more. It feels like the last couple of Ryder Cups, for example, the U.S. has been more, you know, European in their approach. And um, mm-hmm. but it feels like the Solheim Cup has been there for a lot longer. It seems like uh, even the U.S. squad is a lot more into it than um, than the Ryder Cup squad is. So I wanted to bring it up because I thought it was an interesting question to be had and something that. I think once you get there, it's an honor. And I just wondered, you know, from you guys are fairly recently moved from coming up and aspiring to that. If it's like, I can see that when you're out on the putting green at night, it's like, oh, this is to win, you know, the U.S. Women's Open or this is to win the Women's Open. You know, was it ever, this is to win the Solheim Cup. Anyway, maybe that's not fair because, like, it's only every couple of years and it's only been around for 30 years. I, I would venture a guess that it comes more later in your aspirational goals yeah. so yeah maybe that will be in my passing routine now when i'm on the putting green late at night for the selling cup maybe that's where i'm going wrong in my practice there you go if you if you go on to greatness because of that thought just remember where it came from <laughs> all right so let's talk and get down to a little bit more of the facts of like matchups let's go uh person by person like 1 to 12, and uh, try to feel like who we have coming out on top here at the end. Gotcha. Um, so let's start off with world number one, Lilia Vu, versus the number one player on Europe's team, Celine Boutier. Hannah, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, I'm biased. I feel Celine. Just, I think she's a tiny bit more aggressive than, than Lilia. I know Lilia's obviously had some great form, but so did Celine right before that. I do think she has a tendency to take on quite a few shots. Um, whereas I guess I view Lilia as like a very steady kind of never rocks the boat kind of player. I don't know what you think, JT. I would probably go Celine as well. Unfortunately, I think even though Lilia is the number one player in the world, I do think that in a, will this be her first Solheim cup? Yes. I think that given what we found out about her late, in the uh, interview process of her confidence is still not great, even though she won two majors. I'm going to give the slight, ever so slightest of edges to Celine. Oh boy. If the world number one can't come out on top here, I have, I am a little fearful for the USA squad guys. Well, and we'll go much more rapid fire. For <laughs> okay. The rest all right. Of all right. Charlie hole versus Nellie Corda. Oh, Oh, I'm going to go Charlie right now. Honestly, the way she's playing, the way she's putting when she gets her putter hot, which she will. Yeah, Charlie. I also sure. would go Charlie. Okay, Megan Kang versus Leona Maguire. Oh, that's a tough one. I do think possibly Megan Kang. I feel like she might feed off the crowds a little bit more, feed off the atmosphere maybe. I want to say Leona. I mean, she's just coming off of it. If she either went 4-1 and one or 5-0 and oh in her first Solheim Cup, and she's, her attitude is perfect for the Solheim, but she's really shown no kind of form. The last mm. couple of months, Megan just came off a win. So slight edge, slight edge to uh, to Megan King. Maya Stark versus Rose Zhang. Oh, gosh, man, this is harder than I thought. I, I actually might go Maya. I mean, I've, as I said, like on the last pod, I grew up playing golf against the Swedes. They are absolutely ruthless. And Rose, this is her first song cup. She's... I mean, she's still such a like rookie and a little baby, if you think about it, in this world. Because Maya's been out there for a year or two now, hasn't she? I'm I'm taking talent. I'm going Rose Zing. Sorry, I, I, Maya's <laughs> one of my favorite players, but I, 
I, I think that so far, Rose has risen to the occasion pretty much every time possible. And mm, that's I, see, true. I see it no being no different. And, and she's a great ton of match coming off of four year, three years straight of ton of match play experience. So give me, give me Rose. Okay, next up. Let's go Daniel Kang versus Lynn Grant. This is an easy one for me. Lynn Grant puts her in a body bag. I think DK has not been playing well, and, and Lynn is just poised to become a star. So uh, pretty, pretty easy for me there, Lynn Grant. Yeah, I'd say Lynn too, for sure, at the moment. Carlotta Saganda versus Jennifer Cupcho. I think I'm going to go Jennifer Cupcho. I think Carlotta Saganda could be great in full terms. She has so much experience in that. She's so steady. She would be a great partner, but yeah, I feel I'm going to go Jennifer Cupcho right now. I got, I got to go against you here, Hannah. I think the combination of she's the only Spaniard on the team, and we're playing this in Spain, and oh yeah, the only I'm time that. that I admire slow play is in team events where it drives your opponent absolutely crazy. Pardon, pardon my French, but Carlotta is slow as hell. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yeah. she slow plays her to death and, and, and would come out on top. Okay, the Andrea Lee. Anna Nordquist. I'm going to say oh, Anna Nordquist hasn't been playing badly, but she just hasn't had like that kind of top 10 form the last year or so uh, too much. Why oh, she's still so scary though. <laughs> Imagine being paired against her. I, I'm going to go Anna Nordquist, European bias, but she's got a ton of experience. I really think I'm, I'm joining she you. She could do it. I'm joining you for sure. I think that uh, the the stone cold kind of Scandinavian you know killer presence combined with uh, the timidness of Andrea Lee, it's, a, it's not. It wouldn't be close. Yeah. All right, Madeline Sagstrom versus Angel Yin. I think I'm going to go Angel Yin. I think I'm going to give the slight nod to Angel Yin as well. I feel like she's kind of a party girl. And if she can kind of you know get the mojo going, that it would be hard for for Madeline to overtake her. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give the uh, the edge to to Angel as well. I skipped the last <laughs> U.S. qualifier. Lexi Thompson versus I guess we'll go for Gemma Dryberg. Why you don't want her on the squad so bad that you're just like not even gonna list her off? That's <laughs> that's impressive. Um, I'll go first here and say that uh, strictly because she seemingly is playing terrible golf, I would. I would go against anybody you put up against Lexi. So, so give me Emma driver. Yeah, I could see maybe Gemma, you know, sneaky doing that. If Lexi's struggling and Gemma might be just enjoying it and playing really relaxed, she could get it done. Yeah. Okay. Caroline Headwall versus Allie Ewing. I'm gonna I'm gonna pretty much say whatever Hannah says, mostly because if I had to pick Caroline Headwall out of a lineup. I would not be able to do it, let alone know anything about her golf game. So, I, so I'm going to... She's I'm an gonna, OSU grad. Defer, I know, which makes me feel even worse. I'm not saying I feel great about what I'm saying. I just, uh, I, guess by, I, guess, I guess by default then I would, I would pick uh, the opposite side because if I don't know the player, I've only got to go with the player that I actually know something about. Okay. So I guess, I'd, I guess I'd go that route. What about you, Hannah? I mean, she's kind of a vet in Salon Caroline Hadwell. That's the reason she got picked. She's a really strong match player. Very fine. Caroline Hedwell. Is it Allie? So you said Allie's uh, the opposite on the other side of the... Yeah. On this one. Is she a rookie? Allie, like... No, she played last time. She did? Okay. Allie Ewing did, yeah. Mm. Pretty steady. I don't have her record committed to memory, but she was pretty good. Who are you, who are you giving the nod to here, Hannah? I'm just going to follow suit. I think she um, I'm, switch, I'm switching. I'm turning around, so I'm going to go Allie Ewing. 
Okay, I'll go. I'll go Allie yeah. as well. I, I, I can. I know who she is. I've seen her play golf a lot, <laughs> and I feel just up down on that alone. I didn't I have mean to, to talk to you into that one. Caroline Headwell is quite a competitor, very fiery. So. I, 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 we we both went U.S. This, Again, is, more, like this maybe, is more a little maybe like is, four Sims kind of. She could be. She'd be great at. Yeah, which, you know, all this is is like an exercise in entertainment because none of these people will actually play each other, most <laughs> likely, in the Solheim Cup. You know, this is, uh, they, they team up with other players. They, in singles matches, it's kind of a random draw. So, nonetheless, we have it a lot more equal than, than I expected it to be. Yeah, well, we didn't do Emily, Christine, Pedersen, and uh, Peterson, and Cheyenne Knight, but... I don't that's another no-brainer for me, but I want to, I don't want to bias Hannah. Hannah, who you got in a, in a Cheyenne Knight-Emily-Christine-Peterson matchup? I don't know that much about Cheyenne, honestly. Obviously, I've heard her names. She, she's clearly a great player. But I think Emily Pedersen as well, really strong Dane, great junior career, great match play record as a junior, moving into women's. And she's played in the Southern Cup before. I'm saying her. But I don't know. I, I agree. I think it's a no-brainer that uh, the Solheim Cup experience, the, I don't even know if Cheyenne deserves to be on this team. Frankly, I get Cheyenne Knight confused with Cheyenne Woods a lot, <laughs> and I hear Cheyenne Knight, and I get excited. Oh, Tiger. Oh, no, that's the other lady. So, you know, you get a little deep in these rosters, like I said off the jump, and I get a little shaky, even though, again, I am a women's golf fan. I just... You get, you get down the lineup, it's tough. There's only there's so many so many so many Hannah screens and, and Michaela Dorenzo's, you know, I, my energy goes towards right. <laughs> so, well, I mean that puts it that puts it one two three four five six seven seven five. Europe. Favor of Europe by our very scientific prognostication of who has the stronger squad. That that's a, that's more equal than I anticipated us yeah. coming out of this with. I think the USA is going to have to. Pull out something miraculous to, to beat this European squad, unfortunately. I, I would agree. Let, let's throw two more predictions at the folks before we uh, set sail and enjoy the Solheim Cup for 2023. I'm going to ask you on the individual front. Okay, so individual, not knowing how many matches each player will play. Uh, they can play a, uh, at most five matches. Again, Two foursomes matches, two four-ball matches, and a singles match. But who ends the Solheim Cup as the individual with the most points secured? Hannah, I'm going to you first, and then I'm coming back to Mick. Does it need to be from my continent, from Europe? It does not. It can be anyone. Mm, I'm going to say my European one and my pretty much my overall one. I think Lane Grant. I just don't see anyone breaking her at all. That's a good call. I, I truly feel like this is going to be Lynn Grant's like breakout moment because you know, yeah, Solheim Cup coverage. Like, there's only 12 golfers. Frankly, until Sunday, only eight of them are on the golf course at once. So you get to actually learn a little bit and see more of these ladies than you normally get to see, unless they're like in the lead of an LPGA tournament. Uh, I like that um, as as a potential. Who ends with the most points secured? But I'm going to go a different direction, just based on on sheer volume. Okay, on sheer volume, I think that Rose Zhang, because she can be paired with anybody, I think she'll play all five matches. She has kind of the uh, the youthful legs to go the distance, and so just based on she'll play the most matches, and I think she'll play well. I think Rose Zhang 
ends up having the, the most points secured in this Solheim Cup. Both of those things were to come close to true, Hannah Screen. That would be pretty impressive. Mick, do you have somebody? I I like Lynn Grant on the European side too, and then I'll go Megan Kang on the U.S. side. I can see her. She's a, a you know fiery competitor. Got a lot of personality. I can see her. I like it. I like well. it. Well, when I think of Solheim Cup, I think of her, like because of how she's like been in the past. You know, she's so fiery. And I probably should have done my research to see who on the team has the most Solheim Cup points. Anyway, that would probably uh, past results or indicative of future. But I uh, didn't go to those links. But I think all three of those players um, have to play well and have a significant amount of points for their squads to do well. Speaking of, who's going to win? And what is the final point tally going to be? Mick, I'm going to let you go first. Who's going to win the Solheim Cup? I think it's going to stay with Europe. And I think the score will be... Fifteen and a half to twelve and a half. Fifteen and a half to twelve and a half, uh, totaling twenty-eight points. So, um, not a runaway, but also not a lot of drama. Gotcha, Hannah. What's your prediction? I said, I mean, yeah, for sure, Europe. I think they're just so strong right now. I know I'm so biased, but um, I really do think they're going to do it. And being in Spain as well, the Spanish. Any excuse for, like, a party to get riled up. They love team sport. Any team, like, when the, the Euros is on there, are, like, out in the streets dancing. They love it. So I feel like that would be great. I think, yeah, similar points, yeah, around 15 and a half, 16 to Europe. I think they'll do it. I am going to pick the upset of, I guess it's not the century, but the, the, the upset of the year. And I believe the U.S. wins in the tightest, I guess it wouldn't be the tightest Solheim Cup ever because there's been two of these, but 14 and a half to 13 and a half and wrestles the Solheim Cup away. I, I truly feel like there's six, at least five, maybe six players on the U.S. squad that have not played their best golf yet this year. And if they come out and play their best golf, at the right time, which would be in the Solheim Cup, all of a sudden those rosters shift significantly in terms of, you know, evening up from a talent perspective. So partially just to be devil's advocate for good podcasting, but also because I truly feel like when all these 12 players on each side are in their best form, it's a lot tighter than it is currently with players in their current form. And as we record this, we still have a few weeks before the proceedings. So I'm I'm banking on some people finding form and we have this tighter than the experts would suggest. Screen, what's on the what's on the board for you next? Another tournament in Sweden? What's the what's the next event? <laughs> no, not quite. I'm actually so happy I've got a home tournament next week, a big one. It's a Rose Lady series kind of co sanctioned with the tour I'm on. So the Justin Rose setup uh tour they have here. And that's really close to my house, so it'll be so nice oh, to be sleep. able to sleep at home. Yeah, sleeping in your own bed. I'm excited. Yeah. Very cool. Mom's Very cooking, cool. everything. It'll be brilliant. I mean, you get yeah, you get some mom's cooking in your belly. That can only mean good things for the results. Sleeping in the own bed. And so we'll be, uh, we'll be following along closely, just like we will with the Solheim Cup. A lot of, a lot of solid golf coming up between Solheim Cup, 
Ryder Cup. I see there's even like a college amateur event at St. Andrews during the month of October. A lot of good coffee golf, a little bonus coffee golf that we're not used to getting. And so get up early, have some coffee, watch some golf. And after you're done, you have the whole afternoon left to get outside and enjoy the walk. 